hope y'all are feeling it energy. Welcome to 2021. I'm Dr. G, your holistic spiritual healer, and welcome to Black Goddess Healing and Manifestation. If you are new, welcome. Welcome to our community. Uh, if you're returning, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I ask that you guys subscribe. Please subscribe, whether you're listening on iTunes, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or I should say it's Apple Podcasts, not iTunes, but you know what I mean. Spotify, whatever platform you're listening on, please subscribe. Leave me a review. I greatly appreciate it. I love hearing from you all. Uh, the emails at blackgoddesshealing at gmail.com. Reach out to me. Um, wanting to hear from you all. Don't forget to go to blackspirituality.org, especially if you want to interface with me, um, chat, on our group platform with our tribe post if you have a business that you want to share feel free to post in a forum um no cost i'm not charging anyone for that all you have to do is just join so yeah welcome to 2021 this energy is, is different a little bit different um but i will say you know as we learn in our african traditions um, things aren't always the same as they are here in the States and, um, you know, in this, this age that we're in. And the new year in African traditions usually doesn't start around until closer to spring. Um, some people say March, depending, depending on what practices um, you're in. And I do think if you look back to last year, that's kind of when everything hit, right? The new year. Um, everything with our pandemic really started jumping off in March. Um, so in any case, um, happy new year. We, we are here in this, you know, age of stage of life in this realm. So I will say happy new year. And I hope that you really see this year as an opportunity for growth and that things will be at peace for you and you'll just have a beautiful journey. Um, and that is, that is my my hope or blessings for us all and I will get into you know some more conversation about the new year this being a year of the five I do want to talk about that more but we have a special treat and this is a long one so I don't want to do too much of a you know intro here because I'm hoping that you all find this panel discussion the djembe circle panel um, that we did last month in December, which we're going to continue to do a panel once every month. And this was the first and it was amazing. We had women on the panel that were just transparent and open about their spiritual journey, um, sharing their practices. Um, and in terms of sorry about that some background noise but i'm going to keep it moving um, some practices in terms of their african traditions and um yeah some that are practicing christianity they wanted to learn more we talked about ancestral altars we talked about the divine feminine and sexuality it was amazing so the, the beginning you know we were just getting warmed up so i hope you stay and listen throughout the whole thing listen do it in segments um we did a two-hour piece here so you're probably not going to sit through the whole thing but if you do i appreciate it um yeah let me know what you think reach out to these women they provide their information during the show so you can contact them and i will be sure to put their information in the show notes as well thank you so much and enjoy Enjoy.
Ashe. Ashe. So um, I would like to ask my, my ancestors, um, my mother and my grandmother to, I welcome them to this space to guide us this evening um, as we share in the divine feminine energy. And now I'm gonna pass it to Nikki. I welcome in my mother and my grandmothers and all the women who stood before me into this space. May they guide us. May they stand with us as we explore all reaches of, of ourselves. Ashe. I welcome my mom slash grandmother, my auntie, into our space as well. Kia. I welcome in my grandmothers and then my auntie into this space. Thank you. Pastor Bay. I welcome Norma Yvonne Osborne, Edna Ishmael, Paula Phillips, and all my four mothers known and known. Nashe. Queen. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. I got it. I welcome in Eva Hebron, Mabel Matthews, Barbara Queen, all those who are here and not here. Come in love and light. Ashe. 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 And Shai? Welcome in my grandmothers and my sister Maggie. Ashe. 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 And we have our producer, Queen V. I don't know if you want to hop on or not to bring them in. If not, we can move on. <laughs> Yes, I welcome my mother, Vanessa, my grandmom, Thalma, my grandmother, Queen, uh, my grandfather, Alan, my grandfather, Womack, Ashe. Ashe. Ashe, Ashe. And I already feel their energy. So whew, thank you guys for that. <laughs> so we're going to pass it on to Kiana and we will get started. Thank you. I want to quickly explain the Dejembe web series. Today's Today is our first web series, uh, Healing the Divine Feminine During the Great Conjunction. The Dejembe Exchange Project is everyone gathered together in peace. And our vision and goal and what we believe for this particular web series that we plan to run on a monthly basis is that everyone has a right to mental health and behavioral health services mental behavioral health and well-being extends beyond direct services and includes aspects of lifestyle so we would like to address mental wellness physical wellness as well as lifestyle approaches um, specifically for the BIPOC community as we know that the BIPOC community is a marginalized community 
our goal is to network and barter um, with other organizations, other mental health providers, other physical wellness providers um, to eventually extend stipends to, to the community so that they can seek services um, at our, our expense. Um, and with that being said, I am going to now go um, and introduce each of our panelists for the evening. We are starting with LaVon Proverbs Briggs, AKA Pastor Bay. She, uh, pronouns are she, her. She is a body and sex positive womanist, preacher, writer, transformational speaker, and spiritual life and liberation coach. She is the founder of Beautiful Scars, a healing-centered storytelling agency focused on fostering pleasure and resiliency, and is the curator of the Proverbial Experience and Instagram Church. Pastor Bay has been featured in Essence, Cosmopolitan, and the Washington Post magazines, and Sojourners named her one of 11 women shaping the church. Pastor Bay, a, an NYC native, is currently based in New Orleans. You can follow her on Instagram at Levon P, L-Y-V-O-N-N-E-P on Instagram. Next, we have Nikki Hartley, pronouns she, her. She is an organizational development practitioner and well-being coach, an expert practitioner in organizational culture, climate, and trauma. Ms. Harley has a special interest in organizational and individual well-being. Nikki sees value in examining the interface of human behavior and systems, specifically the connection between organizational trauma and collective healing. She is the owner and principal at Imprint Wellness, LLC, a holistic organizational development firm based in the science of organizational development and rooted in heart-centered mindfulness. Creating sanctuary from the inside out is her passion and ethos. Co-creating spaces that live up to their highest intention is a privilege. Igniting environments that honor mind, body, and spirit is her mission. Follow her at Imprint Wellness LLC. That's I-M-P-R-I-N-T-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-L-L-C. Nikki. Lena Queen, pronouns she, they, is a Black queer woman, hippie, and sister sexologist. She has over 18 years of clinical mental health experience. Queen is a full-time private practitioner, clinical somatic sexologist, plant medicine advocate, transformational life coach, and erotic coach. In addition to their full-time private practice, she is the curator of Womanism Sacred Circle, a BIWOC sexual healing retreat, Healing the Erotic Self Life Coaching Program, president of the Whole Self Healing Institute, a sexual health and sexual liberation teaching institute, and president of the New Castle County Youth Pride Festival, a nonprofit public charity organization. Follow her on Instagram at Sister Sexologist. That's S I S T A S E X O L O G I S T, Queen. Kia Amy Woods is an author, motivational speaker, emotional wellness, mental health, and social justice advocate. 
her pronouns are she, her. Kia released her first book, Positive Reinforcement, Daily Declarations, in 2015 in an effort to provide a source of steady and consistent healing and mindset adjustment guide. She released 1,000 Roads to Discovery with the intention of unpacking previous hardship, being transparent about childhood trauma, and revealing coping mechanisms and life lessons that came as a result. Kia continues to speak openly about her life experiences in women's conferences and providing group and individual support to women in need. She promotes a healthy and progressive mindset, which she believes can be achieved with spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical wellness journeys. Most recently, Kia has gotten more involved with social justice issues as she believes in the collective trauma of marginalized people and the need for collective healing. As someone who has endured both childhood and adult personal trauma, Kia understands the importance of representation needed in crises, education, and prevention. She hopes to make a lasting impact in the lives of others by promoting self-discovery and intentional healing. Follow her at I am Kia Woods. I A M K I A W O O D S. Kia. Dr. G, the holistic spiritual healer, has over 20 years of experience supporting individuals in their life journey. She holds four degrees in psychology, master's in occupational therapy, doctorate in occupational therapy, and a PhD in health sciences. As a licensed practitioner, she takes a holistic approach, including addressing spiritual trauma. Her training includes years of both formal religious studies, personal exploration of African and indigenous spiritual practices, and enhancing her spiritual gifts to pour into others. She is a renowned speaker and the author of four books and an upcoming publication on trauma-informed care. Follow her on Instagram at Dr. Underscore G underscore PhD. And that's Dr. Dr. Period underscore G underscore PhD. And before we get into teaching, healing, and discussion, I want to acknowledge our moderator, Shy of Stiletto House, and our producer, Queen V of Delaware's Hot 403 FM. And again, I am your host, Kiana. I am the founder and executive director of nonprofit organization, Freely Life Services. I am now going to pass it on to Shy so that we can begin to heal the divine feminine. Well, hello ladies and welcome listeners and viewers. We're gonna start with some questions for our panelists and these are open questions so anyone can feel free to come in and answer. So before we get started, um, for those that are not familiar, how would you I'm sorry, describe the divine feminine? How would you describe that? I guess I, I can get started and then I see, I think Nikki wants to follow. Um, I will say for me, the divine feminine is, um, it's an energy. It's within all of us. It's passion, it's love, um, it's strength at the same time. I think about, I hate to use this term, but you know, like mama or big mama, right? <laughs> it's someone that you love, but you also respect in a way that you, you know, you don't want to cross her because she's strong, but she is your everything, right? 
and you know that you can depend on her and, and count on her. So um, for me, the divine feminine is a part of the duality, right? You have your masculine, you have your feminine. Um, however, it's been an imbalance. And I don't want to speak too much because I know the other panelists have something to say about that. So I'll pass it to Nikki. Thank you so much, Dr. G. I would piggyback on exactly what you said. The divine feminine, sometimes we think that it's relegated to a gender and it is not. It is an energy that exists in all life and it exists in, in both um, human form and also in the environment. So the divine feminine and masculine are simply energies that exist in us and in the world. And one of the most important things that to me about the divine feminine is that it is our empathy, our compassion, our intuition, our creativity, our connection with nature is really the energy that is around the divine feminine. And that energy in and of itself is receiving. It is a, a, a receiving type of energy. And the divine masculine is that logical, rational thought, that linear thought. And it is an energy that is giving in nature. Those energies need to work harmoniously and in um, con conjunction with one another and in balance. In our society today, and I'm sure that um, some of our panels will get into it, in our society today, what we see is a energy that's in balance, that the, the divine uh, feminine energy has been suppressed for a very long period of time. But we're also seeing the rise of the divine feminine energy in most of us. I think that's the reason why we're here in, in today's discussion is probably gonna get to some of the reasons why we're seeing the rise of that energy. So thank you so much for um, that um, segue, Dr. G, and anyone else who has something to say about the uh, divine uh, feminine, I'll give the floor to you now. Um, I could just second what both of you guys said about the divine feminine and what it is. Um, I think the biggest misconception for the layman is, like you said, Dickie, that it's only in women um, or that you have to be a cisgendered woman. I think that it's, it needs to be reiterated that we all have both feminine and masculine energy. Um, I just wanted to add to what you said about it being suppressed for a while or for a long time, I think in addition to it being suppressed, it's also been over-sexualized and also taken advantage of. I think that yeah. whole, like that receiving energy, people have decided that because it's a receiving energy, it's going to receive whatever we put out there or whatever is put out there for it to receive. So um, I think that's just what I wanted to add to where the divine energy has been and, and speaking to the shift that's coming, the shift that's changing that we see all around us, but we'll get into that later. Beautiful. I'll go. Um, for me, the divine energy is limitless. Um, it is not pigeonholed to either or. It is, they are the both and. Um, you know, the divine feminine is also <clears throat> not colonized. Uh, the, you know, the divine energy, feminine energy comes from a source and a place that understands who am I um, and that connection to the divine, to the creator. And it can be both nurturing and both, um, both nurturing and I just say transformative. Like, it's not passive. The divine energy is not passive. The divine energy is assertive. Um, can be mis 
misidentified as aggressive, um, but understandably so. Uh, it's, it's definitely from a space where you can't kind of, you can't, you can't bottle it. You can't bottle the divine feminine. I have more to say, but it'll probably come up in conversation. So what's most interesting to me about the divine feminine is how this energy, this source, this light, this power has been conflated with femininity in our culture. And so a lot of people think that to be feminine is to wear lots of makeup and heels and flowers and pink. And that's fine too. That's one expression of it, but it's so much, um, she, the city, is so much more than that. And so in my tradition, when we say that the spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep, when we say that that spirit was there in the depths, in the dark, creating life, that was a woman. That was a woman embodied entity. And I'll close this part by saying that I know this is binary language and we all need both a blend of masculine and feminine energy, but I would encourage listeners to see this African-centered spirituality and, and, and indigenous spirituality uh, through the most decolonized lens one can have, <laughs> having been raised in a westernized, colonized society, because these systems existed for thousands of years, millennia, right, before we got westernized, colonized religion. So it's less of either or and more both and. All right, ladies, we thank you for that and giving a more defined, detailed uh, example or of what the feminine, of the, I'm sorry, the divine feminine is. So the next question we have for you is, as you know, tomorrow is 1221. And many are saying that's a very important date. Could you all speak to the importance of that date in that time? I'm going to start right now by saying I cannot. So I'm going to go ahead and lead it to those who can. Because like quite literally, while I'm, I am a very big believer in astrology, I'm a very big believer of the stars in the universe and like how I don't place any limitations on the divine. So I'm going to lend into being teachable in this moment and to learn more about the great conjunction from, from, from those on the panel who can speak to it. I'm going to second what Queen said. Um, I am a taught, no, I would say infant, an infant, and I've stayed at infancy when it comes to uh, the planets and astrology. I've pretty much stayed right there, so I'll let the experts do that. Well, I, I certainly wouldn't call myself an expert in astrology. I'm uh, certainly an, an enthusiast of astrology, um, but for me, it, it certainly has to do with that, but this is a prophetic time, right? Uh, even beyond what's happening um, in the skies on the 21st. And, you know, we can talk about Jupiter and Saturn conjunction and them being as close as they've been and, and hundreds of years and what we're going to see in the sky. But I think we could all attest to, and I was just speaking about this um, on the podcast, we could all attest to the changing times we're in. And if you can't acknowledge that, then I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, not to say that for the panelists, I'm saying in general, people don't feel this shift. Um, I would, I don't know, I would be surprised. So we don't really always have to give it a name, right? We feel this energy that is now um, transforming 
we, we feel this ushering out of what wasn't serving us, ushering out of the patriarchy, of the colonization as Pastor Babe was speaking to. And we feel this, this truth emerging, right? And this emergence of truth has been, whether you practice Ifa um, or you're into um, you know, Christianity, we all know that we are living in really dynamic times. And this is something that is prophetic, um, that we know that what, what, what once was, right? What once was is no longer going to be. Um, and now this is, and if you are into astrology, they say it's a changing of Pisces into Aquarius. Um, and you think about the symbolism and religion and the fish, right? And what that symbolizes. And now that that time may be changing and moving into Aquarius, um, that this is a, a dynamic energy that we're going to be feeling and experiencing. And we already are, at least I am. Um, and, and I can attest to the last few days being exhausted for no reason. So um, <laughs> I will pass that along to, I don't know if Nikki or Pastor Babe want, want to hop in on that. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor Babe. Go ahead, Nikki. I was just going to say just um, very quickly, solstice happens, right? Every single year we have solstice either in winter, we have a winter solstice, which is the 21st, we or on or about, and we also have a summer solstice, which is June 21st, right? Solstice is, winter solstice is the longest night of the year. Historically, especially if you're of Christian faith or many faiths, this is a time that was um, a time of deep um, reflection, a time of deep reset, a time for um, spiritual um, in, um, looking inside of oneself. So solstice has been celebrated for thousands of years. What um, Dr. G was just speaking about with regards to what's happening in the cosmos is pretty significant. The energy around that is really significant. Saturn and Jupiter in alignment and as close as they are to the earth, that hasn't happened in 800 years. But what does that really mean? You know, some people are sitting back thinking, well, does that mean I'm going to wake up with special powers? Well, maybe, I, I, right? I, I don't know. I'm not going to be with you on, on the 21st to see if that happens. But I do know this. This is a time for deep reset and a time to recalibrate. And we can use this time, especially for me in my life coaching practice and when, I, when I'm coaching someone, this is the time where you can set and manifest what you want to move forward. Energetically speaking, it's a beautiful time to do that. So I'll pass this on to Pastor Bay, but I will say solstice happens every single year. Some of us celebrate, some of us move on. It's not a big deal, but it is a big deal specifically with what's happening right now in the world uh, with this pandemic and everything else, but also what's happening in our individual lives energetically. So Dr. G, thank you for that beautiful foundation and Nikki for that gorgeous reminder that the divine feminine is cyclical and reminds us that life is seasonal and we move in rhythm, right? And that's the intuitive nature of the, the divine feminine. And so when we're looking at tomorrow, um, I'm an astrology enthusiast and a tarot card reader as well. And for the past month, I would say my readings have been including coinage, right? Wealth and abundance. And what does that look like in community, particularly for um, by POC? Um, so for me, um, when I think about Jupiter, I think about being generous and wealthy. And like um, Nikki was saying, 
prime manifestation energy, right? And then when I think about Saturn, Saturn is much more cautious. So here we're even seeing with the conjunction, this idea of balance and being careful and discerning and intentional about where you're headed. So indeed, tomorrow is the darkest day of the year. What does that mean? How deeply into your own darkness, into your depths, the things that you try to repress, the things you don't put in your Instagram bio, the things that are less than savory, right? Inner child work. Like this is the time to excavate and really dig deep because everybody wants to talk about wealth and abundance and blessing, but it really takes work, healing, discipline, right? Integrity and intentionality and community to do that. So um, I am absolutely open. I know their Black Twitter has been making fun of this darling one who said that all Black people are going to get special superpowers tomorrow. We shall see. But you know, and not to, I, I'll let someone else speak, but I just had to add to that, Pastor Bay, because when you think about even just big, the cultivation of the land, right, getting ready for the harvest moving forward, um, what's going to, what we're going to manifest in the spring, right, that we have to move out what's not going to serve us. You have to get that, that land ready if you're going to plant seeds, and now is that time. So even if you don't believe in all of this, right, you could at least use this time to remove some of that energy that is no longer serving you. And you have to make room for what you're trying to welcome in. You have to leave space for that. And you know what, Dr. I was gonna say, Dr. G, that is something that um, I try to practice every winter solstice. Um, day to day too, but definitely on a winter solstice because it's the longest day of the year. And I think that even if you know this is over most people's heads in regards to, like you said, what you believe, I, it's proven fact that it's the longest day of the year. So if you at least know that and accept that, then I try to encourage and promote rest um, during that, that day, um, encourage and promote uh, getting rid of, shedding um, anything that has not been wanted that's come upon you, energies that's come upon you and you know, throughout the year and just all, like, like a purge of sorts and rest and healing and beckoning and, and welcoming healing for the, the new year that's coming. And I think that that is, at least in my purview, regardless um, of what's going on uh, beyond right now, it just being a, a typical winter solstice. Now I feel like it's that, but like on steroids. So thank you guys for explaining that in, in greater detail. Yeah, I wanted to tap in. I think now is a great time to really be shedding and releasing. And I'm thinking of like, what are they, little, the little beavers? Or whoever be hibernating, right? They go and they like get themselves all chunky and then they just go rest. Like, I'm like, okay, we've been getting chunky. We've been in quarantine, right? We're quarantine thick. Now what can we shed energetically? And so the Aquarius, you know, that's giving me progress. It's giving me community, visionary, futurism, which is like, Black Indigenous POCs jam, right? That's how we've been living. So it's to me, it almost feels like a return um, to, to the ways of our ancestors and ancestral and Indigenous wisdom, um, which going a little deeper, I think is the divine feminine, calling us back to knowingness in your body. What do you feel? What do you sense? Um, so I just love how everything's just blending right now. <laughs> that part. So I would also ask, so now that everybody's giving me context and I understand what I'm timing in on, um, I would also ask in this inventory, uh, um, how are you taking care of yourself? 
mm. right? Because of all the things that we can highlight that we show and what we've lost in the pandemic um, is a lot of that autonomy, a lot of that ability to move around with agency to make certain decisions. Um, and, it's, and, it's, and it's tied up how we take care of ourselves. Um, so I would ask you to check in with yourself and to answer the question, like, how are you taking care of yourself, especially in this newness of the pandemic? Um, and like, and have that with your intuition be a guide, which I absolutely believe is the live feminist part of, um, to guide you in taking better care of yourself. All right. Well, I will say you guys have answered a lot of the next question that I had in regards to how do we operate in this space? Like not only just like with ourselves, but like uh, with politics, with media, um, with consciousness in our own community. So that was the next act. Like how do we operate in this space? Although you guys have gave some, given some great examples, like um, in regards to like, so we can touch base on like politics because you know, it's like crazy right now. How would we operate in this space with tomorrow being 1221? I would say with radical authenticity and radical honesty. The one thing that we haven't talked about is the divine feminine, or maybe slightly, but like sensuality. Like, and I wanna make sure that we add that and bring that into this space as well when we think about how do we move into it? Because a lot of times uh, we wanna fight policing ourselves. We wanna fight policing ourselves. Um, I have some other thoughts that I'll probably end up coming back later too. But I think what we really want to make sure, what, one thing we want to do is like, watch how we're policing ourselves. Radical authenticity is the ability to show up, to show up full arms out wide without shrinking yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And that requires us to be radically honest, to have loving, compassionate conversations about who am I, about asking the question of self so we can show up. And if there's anything out of what this great conjunction in healing the divine feminine is, it is about healing that self because it's all of who we are. Um, so I'll start there and then I'll probably chime in later. I would say that the realities of the world and we were talking about politics, these are real things that are happening to our, our communities in, you know, in conjunction with people that we know. This is real. We know people who are impacted by this pandemic. We know people that are impacted by the politics that we see. We have lived through um, what has happened with Black Lives Matters. And to be honest with you, I don't know if there's any one way to move through this space, but I know personally, the way that I was raised was be in it, but not of it. So for me, I have to detach myself from some of it because it, it sucks energy. Those things that we are connected to, whether it's social media, whether it's politics, at some point that is sucking my energy. It's like literally having a tick at times on your body, like a physical tick. Every moment you're being sucked into somebody else's reality. Um, every moment, you know, we have a 24-7 news cycle where we're vicariously taking in information um, on overload. So yes, politics are important. It's important to be active in our communities. But for me, again, being in it and not of it is an important part of my self-care taking care of myself and knowing when to disconnect is extremely important. And also creating boundaries in that space. Politics is important, not all the time. 
um, having clients is important, but my pages are still private because I want to be able to exchange with people that I know that I'm on like energy with. Some of those things are extremely important, putting boundaries around how we engage with the outside world because it is energy sucking at times, to be quite frank. So I love the idea of boundaries, um, Nikki. So before election day, I had my plan in place like two, three weeks prior. And I got up early, I went to vote and it was easy peasy. Divine Feminine was like, here you go, daughter, right? And then I went to get a facial. Uh, I took myself out to brunch. I got my eyelashes done. <laughs> I went home, me and my homegirl, we shared a bottle of Blue Co. And we went to bed at 9.30. Like right. we were not right. playing games, right. watching the tension and ingesting. I did what I could do. And now it's time for the rest of the chips to fall where they may. Now. Yeah. As much as we appreciate not having a racist, sexist, xenophobic, you know, narcissist <laughs> in the White House, uh, Biden and Harris are not the saviors. Like this is by no means over, whatever this is, right? Like this country is still massively divided. And so what I think is important is that in this time of revolution, because we're no longer resisting, right? I think after George Floyd, it was just like enough is enough. And so what is your role in the revolution? What do you remind us to do? Because as healers, as therapists, as bearers of the image of the divine feminine, you know, there's a certain call on our lives and what we have to call people to actively remember and engage. And I'll close this part by saying, I recently watched um, a talk with Dr. Angela Y. Davis and um, author and Black woman feminist, uh, Adrienne Marie Brown. And Dr. Davis was saying, my generation did not realize the importance of self-care and spiritual care. So the Dr. Angela Davis was like, we, we were not praying. We were not taking on spiritual baths. We were not giving ancestors offering. We were not pouring libation. And I regret that. So when I think about that, I'm like, okay, so what is my call? I am a channel. What do you want to say, spirit? What do you want to say, divine feminine? So yeah. for me, it's definitely tapping in, but then getting very clear. What is your role in the revolution? And stay in your lane. And with all of us doing our work, that's how we get to the more just and equitable world that we want to see. Beautiful. Yes, that that was like a drop the mic, but uh, <laughs> right. I'll try to piggyback off of that, Pastor Bay. Um, <laughs> you know what Levon was speaking to was, and you know everyone that preceded is protecting your energy, right? And everything is energy. Everything is energy. It just is. So when you are um, engaging with this reality that we're in, know that there is always an energy exchange. And so Nikki was speaking of leeches, right? So think about the energy vampires that you are encountering on a daily basis. But now that we're quarantined, that doesn't end. It can happen virtually. It happens through the TV, um, what you're hearing. It happens through even, and we don't have to really go into this, but our music, right? So, you know, whatever you are taking in is going to affect your where you are in terms of your vibration. And I always speak about, you know, this is spiritual and so is science. So when you look at the science, you know, you can look this up. We all carry a microbe cloud around us that is actually what some would say will be an aura, right? So when you interface with someone else's energy, it's going to either bring you up 
or bring you down, or maybe it's a match. So as we're watching uh, politics and we're listening to these individuals that we know are coming with their own stuff and we know it's not balanced, it's imbalanced, we are then welcoming ourselves to then lower our vibration and then to be now we're open. We're open to bring in negative things into our lives. Um, all the things that go wrong in our lives that we say, why, woe is me. And yeah, you're now acceptable to that, you know, susceptible, I should say, to that, maybe not acceptable. Um, so we need to be cautious on what you're inviting in know that you are also part of the, you, the divine is in you, right? So you're a creator. What are you going to create? Are you creating positivity, negativity? What are you going to create? What, what are you cultivating as we speak about, you know, moving into the 21st? Um, so I do uh, get caught up into wanting to know what's going on. And I'll be honest, I'm not perfect. I want to know what's happening when my children leave outside the door, right? But with that, you have to shut it off. You have to be able to protect your space. I agree with Dr. G and with the rest of you ladies. Unfortunately, Pastor Bay, I wasn't the, I've done what I can do, now let me go to bed. I did have what I called an emotional wellness plan, a mental and emotional wellness plan in place. And I, once I realized I needed it, I started to encourage people that I knew to get one too. And really it was, ask yourself this question, would you be okay regardless of the outcome of the, the election? Kiana knows this, I shared with her. Would you be okay? Are you okay either way? If that answer is no, if you are invested to the point where you, will you feel like you will be emotionally impacted either way, then you need to uh, encourage an emotional wellness plan and where you spent time with um, someone who was able to emotionally support you. Because the second question is, are the people in your household capable of that? You know, we all some have lived with people or maybe currently live with people or know of people that live with people who uh, just don't really uh, share their views or may not understand their um, emotional involvement in certain topics, politics being one of them. Um, do you have people that have a ability to remove themselves uh, more quickly or even just just readily remove themselves more than others. Empaths are not able to do that, especially if you're an empath who hasn't learned to, um, I would say the discipline of cutting it off. So I myself, I'm an empath and I think I'm learning as I become more on my spiritual walk and I get closer to God, I feel as though I am learning to take but not carry. So take it, I'm still taking it. I can't do anything about that just yet, but I don't, I, I know how to shelve things now instead of just carrying it on my, my back the whole time. Election day was, we didn't find out the results right away, but I was up just, I mean, I, I was up. It was 3 a.m. and I was just still like, can't go to sleep, can't go to sleep. But I did set my cutoff. I did set a time where I said, okay, Kia, this is the time you are going to cut this off. And in the days following, you can check in. These are the times you can check in and you have to cut, you have to cut it off. So when I think it was, someone mentioned policing ourselves. I think it was you queen policing ourselves, like showing up as our authentic selves, the freedom and the liberty to show up that way, show up as your authentic selves, takes an assessment for me of your tribe. 
So if you know that you will be criticized or someone will call you dramatic or someone will not get it or, you know, maybe just any, minimize what you're going through at all, then they need to be removed. And for me, even if that person is a, a life partner, they need to be removed. They need to be shelved and you need to be surrounded by people who you feel can emotionally support you in that manner. And that is what I try to do for myself in this space specifically at this time specifically. We all have things being thrown at us and there are so many things that we cannot do anything about, things we have to deal with, losses, uh, losses of people that we love, their loved ones, different people are losing their lives or impacted by this pandemic in various ways. People can't bury their dead the way they want to. People are worried about, uh, people are experiencing food insecurity, housing insecurity, people that have never had to go to a food bank out here in Dallas, they're going to food banks and Teslas. That is a different reality for so many people. And there are so many things I can't shelve, right? But the things that I can, the things that I would normally say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and deal with this because I deal with the things head on. And, you know, if there's some type of riff in my life or tiff, and I'm just going to go ahead and, 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 and address it. Now, I put that on the shelf. This is not right now. My plate is full. And I think assessing your circle, your tribe, and then also taking on only what you can't do anything about and then the things that you have capacity for is how I am moving in this space right now. Understood. And we do have a question here from the Facebook live feed from uh, Deshauna U. Neal. Um, I'm just going to read her question because it's pretty much based on what we're talking about now. Um, what she's asking is, what do you suggest for uh, stepping away from politics when you're beginning to campaign as a future candidate? Um, how does one safeguard their spiritual and mental energy? That person is is a future candidate. Yes. Mm. They need and to they put want some to they, oh. in their pocket. <laughs> they want to know how to step away from politics. Yes, when beginning um, when when you're beginning to campaign as a future candidate. So like right now, how tensions are high. So like if she's going to um, be campaigning like in the future for like right now, like how I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, like how would she prepare, you know, and safeguard her mental during this time? Yeah. So she's asking, how does she do this protection and setting of boundaries when she's in it? Right. She's living it. She's part of it. That's a challenge. Um, and I don't yeah. think about step. So I think that it, if I can, I'm sorry, Dr. G, go ahead. No, no you're good. Go ahead. So I want to encourage the both and and not the healing, the, 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 the either or, right? Coming from a, a healing justice lens, we have to make room for that there are nuances and that there are a lot of times we are not able to step away from our roles. We're in a pandemic, a single parent can't step away from, you know, parenting. Um, it's about how do you integrate taking care of yourself um, it is about those internal boundaries of knowing that every fight can't be your fight. Like, how do you triage your fights? You know, if you went, cause if you triage your fight, then you'll triage your level of absorption. You'll triage your energy. Thinking of emo emotions as, as currency, you'll be mindful because now you have this order of importance. Um, 
take care of, like, again, that inventory, how do you take care of yourself? And back to what uh, Kia said earlier, like your tribe, like find your safe space because having a safety plan is important. And that's what you're speaking to, lending your safety plan, emotional safety plan. I would just say a little what came to mind and you guys can tell me if you agree but what came to mind is because uh what you said queen about parenting like you can't put that down that was to my point about certain things we just can't put down if I am a future political candidate and I'm now entering politics the first thing that comes to mind for me is to set working hours that I mean maybe that's not reasonable like forever, but right now, especially if you're just now entering politics and we're talking about this time specifically, for the rest of the year, or maybe a little into next year, maybe set working hours and then and 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 make that boundary, that clear cut time, you know, at 6 p.m., 7 p.m., whatever, I am going to step away from this. These were my working hours and now I'm outside of these hours. Whatever you have to do to transition. For me, it's a nice hot shower in which I practice shower meditation. And then I'm either lighting sage or Palo Santo to clear that energy, that space. It's a, it could be a cup of tea. It could be a CBD tea. It could be herb, whatever you need to actually make that transition clear to say that part of my day is done. And now I'm into the personal part, the protection part, the space where I go recover so that I can do it all again the next time that I need to. That's just my thoughts. Yeah. That's just my thoughts. As she runs down a whole self-care list, I'm like, check, check. Okay, I'm gonna add that. Yep, I'm gonna do that. Um, first of all, shout out to you for wanting to run. We certainly need more women of color in elected office. Um, remembering your why is going to be so important, right? When you get tired, when you're drained and you're just like, I need a break. If you take care of yourself, you do a lot of the things that Kia said and you are still not into it, always check in with yourself. Is this bringing me joy? Even when it's hard, if it's not bringing you joy, that's when you know, okay, this maybe I need to pivot, right? Um, I would also say that setting an intention why are you running? What is the, the spiritual network and net worth that you can tap into, right, for this calling? Is this something that your ancestors are calling you to? Is this something that, you know, some narrative that one of your law school professors told you to do? Like, who, 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 who called you to this work? Because I think when we look at someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, right? When she ran, she was working in a bar, <laughs> didn't think she had any like kind of ability to win, but knew that she was tired of what she was seeing in her district. So um, believe in the impossible. Anything is possible, right? Um, I think building a core team around you, making sure that your people who love you, nurture you, support you, give you life, the people who I like to say when you're around them, your soul can slouch, you need those people because so much of politics is interfacing with folks and putting on, and I don't know if you're an introvert or an extrovert, but you need that time to recharge. Um, like he was saying, as much as you can put in work hours, for me personally, at like 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time is when the top lights come off and the candles go on, right? That signals in my body, the day is coming to a close. It's time to bring those energy levels down. Um, and then the last thing that I'll say is uh, if you have 
a spiritual, moral, ethical compass. Um, I would imagine since you're watching this that you are attuned to the work of ancestral healing. And so asking and calling on your ancestors who have been in leadership positions, maybe someone who's run for office or was secretly the brains behind someone who was in office, right? Calling on them um, and asking for help and cleansing. The last thing that I'll say is um, I indulge in the practice of spiritual baths, which isn't necessarily like a cute little soaky bath, but you know, intuiting next time you go to the grocery store, getting maybe three herbs, mint, basil, sage, right? Um, just whatever you feel in your spirit, tapping into that divine feminine energy and boiling that in some water, letting it cool off. And after you take your regular shower to kind of wash off the energy of the day, then take a spiritual bath because you don't know whose energy you're coming into contact with and that can linger and manifest in different dreams and anxieties. And so you know, we all have our own stories with how we're coping and some of us have are living with diagnosed conditions. Like you don't need anybody else's stuff <laughs> to be all up in your stuff too. So um, those are some of my thoughts around protecting yourself um, in this season. Yeah, I, I would add to that, um, that, you know, something triggered when you were speaking. It, it's like she's she's going to I would anticipate have to do a lot of protection work you know just because you're interfacing with so many different people so many different levels of energy um and that's not to scare you it's just reality right and I'm sure you know she's aware of that um but I would say you know what Lavon was just uh, Pastor Ray was speaking to was return to sender there's going to be a lot of that like you're going to have to return that to the sender I got a package that does not belong to me and that's probably, you know, be aware of that, be prepared for that, that you're going to have a lot of that coming your way. Um, and in the evening, when you do whatever your practice is for your mental health, for your spirituality, that you ask, you know, spirit and your spirit team to take what does not belong to you and please return it back to with whom it came from. And I, that's all I would add to that. And a way to do that is to uh, put a mirror on your altar, near your altar. If you don't have an altar, I would suggest you start on <laughs> um, to have like a spiritual hub for your ancestors. Um, just a bowl or a cup of water and a candle, preferably white, but any color will do because they know Joe. And uh, yeah, you can put a mirror there and just pray that return to sender prayer. Can I follow that up with um, a question? Because I think, um, you spoke so casually like oh start an altar not everyone here even knows what that is two what's the purpose of an altar and three how are we really getting one started like i i know the people that are 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 tuning in on my side no idea none so that's, I say, I say. that's great kia yeah you know <laughs> i just I know who I'm on the panel with, and so I'm just flinging things. Okay, so um, ancestor veneration, if you are an African-descended person, it is your birthright to engage in what we call the respect, the lifting up, the amplification of our ancestor stories and narratives. And so for many of us, I particularly um, blend an African-centered Christianity with um, the ancient West African Yoruba tradition of Ifa. And so when we talk about it, it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm Christian, I can't do this, or I'm Muslim, I shouldn't do this. It's like, if you're Black, <laughs> you get to do it, period. It doesn't matter what your spiritual background is. Um, 
And so an altar is basically a place in your home for you to say, this is a sacred space with which I commune with spirit. I mean, spirit's everywhere, right? But there's something about having um, uh, an apparatus, like an artifact that says, hey, I'm here. So an altar should have elements that represent access to the spiritual realm. And so while some people have seen pictures or maybe black is king or whatever, you know, it's like, oh, look at all that neat stuff on there. Like you literally just need a cup of water or a bowl of water. Um, water is a healing agent. Water is a portal. It's a cleansing agent. And so having fresh water there um, yeah. is also an, uh, mm -hmm, an open door access to spirit. And then the candle, right? That flame. This is another natural element that we see. And so that spark of wisdom, that invitation of ancestral indigenous wisdom, that's what we have. So that's what I recommend my coaching clients when I'm working with them to start with that and to announce themselves at their altar using um, full names, names that you identify with. You know, I know sometimes people are like, well, I don't use my given name anymore. That's fine. They know who you are. They just waiting to be in relationship. And the last part that I'll say is, you know, for anyone who thinks that this is kind of like woo woo and oh my goodness, what is that? Um, in my tradition, Right. I was raised thinking that anything African was evil or demonic, which is the colonizer's tongue. And I ripped that out of my mouth. Thank you. But um, even if you are attached to like a Christian tradition or you've been involved in the black church in some way, which most black people have been, um, my question, my inquiry, my curiosity would lead me to ask, why is it OK for you to to venerate the biblical ancestors, right? Who have no relation to you, but you can't venerate your ancestors whose blood is literally coursing through your veins. So if there's any hesitation there, just remember that this is your birthright and who does it serve for you to not be in communication with your ancestors? Yes. I have, um, thank you so much, Pastor Bay. I have um, two things that I would say about that. First of all, setting up an altar is absolutely necessary for me that was a part of my personal practice it's necessary the way that i grew up but i also wanted to say you know the way it's been demonized um african traditional religions especially in the west i watched a pastor in bethel ame church in wilmington delaware walk up to the front of that church and venerate ancestors and call this is a christian church a black christian church and what he said to the congregation was this is not evil. This is not demonic. I have watched this practice before. I have seen it. And he asked the congregation at that time to also call out the name of their ancestors as he poured water um, over a specific area in, at that altar in that church. So it's really important that we understand um, our ancestor, our indigenous um, traditions and what they mean to us and, and really get grounded in those spaces. And I also would say, the first place you start when, you, when we talk about an altar is self. You are the altar. You are the sum total of your ancestors that have come before you. So the first place you need to do it, you need to go is inside. And Kia was mentioning um, shower meditation. One of the things that I do is heartbeat meditation. Sit and contemplate, sit with my ancestors with my own heart. You are the sum total of every individual that came before you. You are the temple and you are the altar. It's extremely important that we understand that everything else is a tool. Yes, 
And, and I would say too, and I'm glad Kia, I'm, thank you for asking this because sometimes, you know, we do, we're, we're expecting a large audience, right? Of varying walks of life. So we do have to sometimes slow it down because I can go, you know, and forget that. <laughs> Not everyone may understand all this, this terminology, right? But I think one thing to remember is once you get a chance to do this work and to sit at an altar, it, it feels so right. It is like, this is African. This is indigenous. This is what our ancestors were doing. I, my phrase is, what do you think they were doing before they came to this land, right? Or what do you think they were doing before other people came to this land? Um, if we're talking about our indigenous natives. So when you, when you instill these practices, it does feel like home, homecoming, you know, to play on words with Beyonce's song, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like a homecoming. And that's what they're waiting for. You know, imagine if, uh, you know, we, we don't have to get too deep in terms of our uh, reincarnation in life, but imagine if, and most likely you are, uh, or were an ancestor, and you wanted to communicate with your loved ones as you transitioned on. But the only way you could truly get in there to communicate was if they called on you. And you've just been sitting and waiting and waiting and nothing's happening, right? And so I, I see it as a, an invitation to say, okay, I'm welcoming you in, right? So, and when you do that, you will feel things shift in your life. It's, we do this anyway, right? You come home, unfortunately, from a funeral service, you have the program, what do you do with it? Or what do the, our, our elders do? They put it up, right, on a china cabinet. <laughs> or something to that effect on the coffee table. You may have a little candle next to it. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, they are doing an altar, but if you call it that, it has been demonized, right? Mm -hmm. It is, talk, you know, talking to the dead is something you're not supposed to do, but we need to move past that. And when you do, I think you'll feel that this is normal. It's, it's a place for us. It's a space that we have to be in. Let's speak to that. How do you take away the demonization of like um, ancestral um, veneration? How do you do that? Because Can I? Go ahead, oh, Keith. Yes. No, go ahead. Finish the question because I was going to tell you how I've been doing it and how I plan to speak to others in my life, especially those, uh, my fellow Christians of the Christian faith, um, how to think about it a little differently. Right. So that was just the question because even with burning sage or burning candles or um, you know, or starting like an altar, you know, sometimes people can see it and don't understand it. And the first thing they're thinking is, okay, that is not of God. That is not correct. So that's why it's very important that we speak to how to take the negative away from it. For me personally, I think, um, so the first person that I was close to that had an altar or has an altar was Kiana. And um, there was some curiosity that came with it for me. Um, she was transitioning to Buddhist at the time, uh, but she has also done some studying of our Afri African ancestry and our African spirituality. I think for me, it's two things. One is reminding ourselves that we have spiritual practices that were taken away from us. We didn't readily give this up. We didn't choose, you know what, this is not for me. It was stripped from us and therefore we do not know it. The same with our languages, the same with our clothing, the same with you know, so many other things. This is something that I might not be able to go out and learn, you know, a language, don't even know what tribe I, I came from or my, my ancestors came from, but this is something that I can take back. The same way us in the Black community, we've taken back so many things in the, you know, LGBT community, we've taken back certain words. So I think thinking about it that way, 
um, realizing that you didn't choose to not do it in the first place, right? And I think taking your power back or thinking about it as just even just saying a decision, you know, try it. If you don't like it, then you decide, you know what, that wasn't for me. But if it sounds like, you know, if I, I'm listening to you ladies and hearing that it'll feel familiar, it will feel like home, then I feel like it will begin to resonate with a lot of people um, where if you just think about it and you just feel like afraid of what you do not know, um, it will change once that, once that practice is, there, is, is at least considered and tried, right? The second thing for me is, I think when a lot of people hear ancestors, it sounds so far out and so far out of reach that it goes so over many people's heads. And I know to the women on the panel, it's like, what? No, really, it does. I think thinking about the immediate people that you may have lost, if you've lost a parent, you've gained an ancestor. If you've lost an auntie, an uncle, you've gained an ancestor. Anyone that came before you, anyone that's older than you, you've now gained an ancestor. I was speaking to, I had a couple of close friends that's lost their grandmothers just recently. And I said, you know, you gained an ancestor. For me, it got real. I never thought about ancestors. I'm not even gonna lie to you. When my dad passed away, that's when I started to think about ancestors. He is now an ancestor. Then I started thinking about myself. I will one day be an ancestor. So it changed the, the, the course of my thinking. I no longer became, it no longer became something that was so distant and out of my concern or care because talk, having that communication with my dad, who was my favorite person, who was my favorite soul, who was my favorite spirit, and, and telling myself that that does not have to be over, that felt like such a relief. So if you've never lost anyone that's came before you close, this might be a little bit more of a challenge. So I would urge you to try some of the things the other lady said, but if you have, if you've lost a grandmother, if you've lost a mother, if you've lost an auntie, an older sister, anyone, think, remind yourself, that those are your ancestors too. So it's not like I'm gonna sit here and only communicate with my dad, but my dad was the entryway. My dad was how I saw that this is nothing scary. He would never hurt me and nothing to do with my dad is evil. So now I rebuke anyone that would call communicating with ancestors evil. That's beautiful. Okay. Yeah, beautiful. I love this question because as a body and sex positive woman is passed through, people are like, how, who, what? And I'm like, let's, let's explore, shall we? Um, so the Christianity that we have in this nation is American, anti-Black, anti-woman, anti-body, anti-fun, all of that, right? We have to honor that the Christianity of our childhood was very colonized. If you grew up with the white Jesus, colonize. Blonde hair, blue eyed, brown hair, brown eyes, he was white. That was not Jesus, right? Jesus was a poor North African Jewish revolutionary refugee. He looked like black folk, he looked like us, okay? So if that is new information, that's where I need you to start. 
Because once you realize that this Christ figure that we talk about in the Christian tradition was African, that completely changes everything from the Bible to um, theology, to ideology, to rituals, right? So we have to be honest about that because if Jesus was African, that means he had an African mom and African aunties and they were doing African shit, right? So what does that look like in practice? And so once we honor the fact that we are African-centered, um, then we say, well, what is my African ethic, right? And of course you think it's demonic. Of course you look at African masks and you're like, oh my gosh. Of course you think uh, Africa is a poor country and not a rich continent, right? Think about media. Think about um, how our ancestors were literally removed from any of their worship practices. Think about how anything African has been demonized. So of course that's going to be your default. But that's why you get to do the work to unfolding to this is my birthright. This is who I am. When you hate something African-centered and you are African-descended, Malcolm X will say you are hating yourself. There's no way that you can love yourself and hate Africa. It's impossible. So how then do we start to learn the real stories, right? And so what's important to, for me to remember is that we come from an oral and an oral tradition. A lot of us grew up in schools where we had like the, the storytelling contest, you know, you grew up in church, you did the plays and the, like we tell stories as a people, that's what we do. So no, I can't point to something and say, this is where it says to venerate your ancestors because we weren't the ones writing things down, right? But when we lean into it, we start to get more. So it's like, okay, let me follow this breadcrumb. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one, right? Um, the familiarity, I forgot who was saying that. One of my brilliant colleagues said that is already there. Remember, end of the road, the music video, I'm dating myself, I don't care. And they poured out liquor. When you pour out some for the homie, right? For, like that is pouring libation. That is invoking and honoring the presence of our ancestors and their lives while they were on earth and walking with them in the, in the here and now. So Kia, I love this idea that we're going to be ancestors one day. So what does that mean for our life now, right? If you're problematic, you've got some time to get right. Um, and I'll close this part by saying that when it comes to being in relationship with our ancestors, some people are like, my dad was trash. My grandfather beat my, gra uh, excuse me, content warning, <laughs> domestic violence. My grandfather beat my grandmother. Like what? You do not have to venerate problematic ancestors. Right. You leave that to ancestors who are on the other side, right? So in case there's any hesitation because, well, that person wasn't very kind to me, right? You do not have to engage them. And I'll close this part by saying that that's why it's important to say ancestors known and unknown, named mm -hmm. and unnamed because we're calling in all of the, the people who claim us, right? Just like we got play cousins, like we got ancestors who were like, we're not biologically related, but that one's mine right there, okay? Mm -hmm. Maybe Lou Hamer, she'd be like, she mine, okay? <laughs> and so um, honor that this is your birthright and, you know, go at your own pace. I think yeah, to that point, oh, sorry. All right. No, go right ahead, Kia, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, I love, I love that because I didn't think about that. And so thank you for um, adding that into the space. I think about how great my dad was. So I don't think about how I just challenge someone to think who, you know, of an immediate ancestor and how they may not have a relationship with any of those people. Um, I also like the do the work. You still have time to do some work if you're, you know, toxic. Um, there's a couple of things. I didn't have a, a great relationship with the two, you know, with one of the two people that I bought into the space and I honored them um, in the beginning. 
but for me holding a grudge against someone that's no longer here is a little bit uh maybe telling about um some of the healing work that you may have to do internally and that is why i didn't even know i was going to say it and i said it um because i think moving into a forgiveness space even if it's just for your own healing is important um, but that's not everybody's not here yet so let's let's just put that for out there for the people that are um i think uh pastor bay what you said about um calling on the un, the known and unknown keeping in mind that how broad you know how far back our ancestors would go when you are channeling strength when you're channeling courage when when you need to be motivated and lifted there is somebody in that lineage that can give you that there's somebody that fought there's somebody that jumped off the ship because they refused to be enslaved there's somebody that was courageous enough to stay on the ship to continue to try to take care of the people Great. the little ones that were there there's somebody in your line that has exactly what you're looking for for me my strength comes from god and my strength comes from the people that came before me that's already lived this that will look at what i'm i'm doing and one sometimes feel like this is a cakewalk and two be very very proud right because we had i undiagnosed talk about undiagnosed mental health back then there was no okay you go see a therapist and you go ahead and talk about this these professions, all you lovely ladies, we weren't around. We were not around for them. They found the strength in each other. They found a, a, the strength in God. They found the strength in their traditions. They found the strength in song, in dance, in resistance with head wraps and clothing and things that they found yeah. ways to resist, teaching themselves to read, yes. interpreting the Bible their own ways. They found strength in that. And if that is, there's nothing more powerful than calling on someone that may be unknown that found talk that strength that there was no therapist to talk to that is who i want to talk yes. to in my own so and i wanted to say first of all yes amen to that and i shade to it but also we must understand that energy is um cannot be created nor destroyed it is we are simple we are spiritual beings having a human walk and so what happens after we leave this plane sometimes we're just very tunnel vision about this life and this experience but we are we are spiritual beings so just like here just like what you said when i lost my mother the heartache that comes with that but then on top of that what opened was my heart and I could connect with her in a way that I have not even connected with her in the physical realm. Her spirit was still available to me. When she became an ancestor, my connection with her became even stronger. So that's when I had to start challenging some of these deeply held beliefs or colonized beliefs that I had held for a long period of time. And on top of that, you can see the spirit of our ancestors in everything that we do from our music to the way that we do religion it's not the same if you go into a traditional african-american church or a pentecostal church to a regular you know white church those are not the same services we put our spirit in every single thing that we do and that spirit lives it has lived and it lives on in all of us so thank you so much for that kia because i definitely second that Ooh. Yes, and I was going to say real quickly that Kia, um, and sorry, Queen, I saw you just unmuted. Um, you know, that the, you mentioned that our ancestors think back how far they go, they go back to the beginning of time, right? To the beginning of time. And so when you do connect 
um, Nikki and I share a similar story with, you know, our matriarchs uh, now transitioning, mothers, grandmothers, right? That when you then have those experiences and you welcome them in, there is a whole line of lineage that starts stepping forward. You're like, who, who are you? <laughs> like, do we have a family member named Lydia? Like, you know, it, it, that's, it's not a scary thing, um, but it, it's very comforting. But the funny thing is when you think about how this is such a um, uncomfortable space. If I were to tell someone, oh, you should meditate daily. They'll be like, okay, how do I meditate, right? How do I do mm -hmm. that? But if I say, you need to sit in front of your altar and talk to your ancestors, uh-uh, what's that, right? So we need to realize that, you know, these things that they're calling new and new age aren't new. These are, this is part of us. This has been with oh. us from the beginning of time. This is African. This is indigenous. Um, so I, I really appreciate all the comments. I just wanted to hop in with that, but uh, Queen, go ahead. I know you wanted to add. Um, yes, um, a couple of things. So one, I think also to self-compassion, invoking self-compassion, um, because a lot of times I find, I remember when I started my journey of unlearning, right? Um, I, I started with hermetic yoga. And I remember through Kemetic Yoga and learning through Dr. Ashby and thinking, oh my God, am I learning something outside of Christianity and feeling mm -hmm. like shame and guilt, but still, and, and wanting to both end and wanting to move forward. So what I want to encourage people to do is to, in, in, you know, to remember your self-compassion as you're doing this unlearning, to remember the relationship to the body. Um, I always talk about like, how do you shift a moment? ground center nurture affirm you know we have to sometimes you know it's one thing to be like i'm going to do it's another thing to do and to feel and living in our body and knowing that we're having this humanly experience so remembering to to ground yourself to honor your discomfort you know to honor the newness of unlearning uh to center yourself right to ask clarifying questions about your growth and remembering to keep you as your focus um, and understanding what that healing lineage is going to do for you and yours uh, to affirm. So now you have like, what are your practices of taking care of yourself because you are navigating these complex emotions and then using affirmations as a way of like disrupting negative thoughts and the naysayers that are gonna come into your head to tell you that these things are wrong when really you are reclaiming what was already yours and stolen from you to begin with. Beautiful. Yes. No, Queen. I'm so glad. Oh, Kia, go ahead, Mo. No, I had a, I had an altar question, so I, I want to ask. Oh, okay. Because I, you go ahead, because okay. I want to ask, ask. I want to ask something for the layman. Again, we're talking to the layman, so go ahead. Okay, so Queen, thank you for saying that, like that it was stolen from us, because that is something that I put front and center for Black and Indigenous folks. There are white people going to see shamans in Peru. Say it. There are white people taking Orisha dance classes. There mm -hmm. are white mothers carrying their white babies in Ankara wax print slings. Do not let the descendants of those who oppressed and enslaved and, and brutally, like brutalized our ancestors benefit from these spiritual systems and you sitting there talking about, no, not me. Because this is your yes. birthright, yes. is, right? So as uncomfortable as it is, if you go Google hoodoo, which is a tradition, African traditional religion that's yes. based really in the United States, if you Google hoodoo, white folks are going to come up. 
it is a black ass religion and white people are co-opting it. So if nothing else, know that if it didn't work, people would not be capitalizing off of it. If it didn't work, it wouldn't have been outlawed, right? <laughs> By the colonizers. So these are some of the things that I hope we hold on to because I know that growing up in a westernized colonized society, we have to think very masculine energy, logical, linear, I need proof, give me a book list, I want to read about this. This is not that kind of work. <laughs> the divine feminine is about what do you feel in your body? What do you know at a cellular level? And so I wanted to affirm and just let you know that yes, your ancestors are walking with you. There is a gorgeous graphic floating around social media. I don't know if y'all have seen it, but it's called Ancestral Mathematics. And it basically does the math of like how many ancestors there are every generation you go back. Queen, I see you not yet. So I, African cosmology and womanism like literally saved my life. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, so when I learned, <laughs> that when you heal yourself, you heal yourself seven generations before yeah. and seven generations to come. Yeah. Seven generations is 2,048 people. Yeah. <laughs> That's just yeah. seven. Yes. And like Dr. D said, we go back to before, what is time? Right. Our answer right. is like, what is time? We roll with the sun and the seasons. Okay, so for us, um, this, is, this is a gorgeous journey that has so many benefits. So just remind yourself, this is mine. This is my shit. My question is to any any Christians or or I think we named a a, a few people, but um, I for one um, I feel as though Christianity, period, but also like specifically the Black Christian Church is a member of where I'm from. I feel like we can be a little frigid, <laughs> you know, in our in our ways of thinking. And um, I'm just going to be honest with you. Anybody that I talk to we're going to need to make the connection. We're going to need to be make, make the connection on how something is of God or at the very, very least not anti-God. So um, what I wanted to put out there into the space was thinking about, I, I think we will all agree, you ever heard the, uh, you know, you're still living, you're still covered by the prayers of your grandmother, right? So you know, if we're still, to, I think that seven generation, that that's awesome. Because I, I believe that there are people in my life that are covered by my prayers. I just believe that. It's a lot of pressure, but it's also an honor, right? And um, and I think about that once I realized that I was going to be an ancestor one day. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I have to live my life because they have to be, they have to be covered. And I, and I, I got to be strong. I got to be courageous. They have to look to me one day and see this is a life that I want to model, right? It, you, it can almost drive you crazy, though. You have to set, like, boundaries for yourself. Like, okay, girl, you're human. But um, the biggest thing for me is understanding that if we're covered by the people that came before us, if, the, if you're a, a member of the Black Christian Church and you can believe that you are covered by the prayers of your mother, your grandmother, and the people that came before you, then communication with them, how would that be anti-God? And if anybody wanted to add into that, um, or like, please, please do. I would say this from a hoodoo perspective, right? Hoodoo is the indigenous religion or um, practice of our ancestors, our African ancestors, along with um, some traditions that we created for survival, right? So I look to my grandmother. My grandmother was a Christian, period. That's it. But her practices, she also had indigenous practices that she used. 
she called down to her aunt Winona in Florida to get turpentine and some lemon juice to make sure that she had a remedy for my throat, right? These are things that her mother before her taught her. So at the end of the day, my grandmother used the practices of the earth, communed with spirit, but also knew and understood God, right? So to me, um, to demonize that would be to demonize a woman who I revere and who I knew had a, a relationship with, with her, with the most high. Someone who I knew lived a life that I would want to emulate or and any person would want to emulate. Right. But I saw her use and respect both her indigenous culture and also, you know, also go in um, and use her um, religion as something that would guide her. So I, I don't know, um, the demonization part is really, really hard. And I know that some people struggle with that, but I look to people who have given me that guidance. My grandmother was one of those. And can we speak to a little bit about, you know, how things were, our ancestors had to do what they had to do to survive because this work could have gotten you killed, right? Let's be real. So in that case, can we talk a little bit about how we had to hide some of those practices within Christianity, right? It had to be, especially when you look at that Catholic religion. And I went to Catholic school. I'm not, I wasn't Catholic, wasn't born Catholic. We grew up Baptist, but when, and I saw a huge difference, by the way, between going to church on Sunday and going to school on Monday where they made me go to mass, completely different. But in any case, that our, our practices were hidden and embedded in that. Unfortunately, you know, throughout the years, the messages didn't get passed along. Like, yeah, we do this, right? But this is really hoodoo, right? But we mask it in, in the face of it's Christianity. Um, so that is still there. Some of those old remedies um, are, you know, uh, superstitious kind of behaviors that goes back to those practices. And it's up to us to really unpack that. So I'll open it up to anyone else that wants to speak to that. But I think that's something that for, as Kia said, the lay person may not realize that what they are practicing perhaps in the black church may have the foundation of that ancestral practice. Yeah, I love talking to black Christians, especially Pentecostals about African retention in the black church. Because when people are catching the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, rolling around on the ground, running around the church counterclockwise, like all of that, those are all African ways of worship, right? It's just, it's been, it's, period, who? It's just been disconnected. So like, we got to pinpoint this moment that's happening. This is not new. Twerking is not new. Our foremothers would shake their ass in worship right? CPT, other people time, I don't believe in that expression, but just so you know what I'm talking about, is not new. We are rhythmic people. Time is colonized. Like, that's not our shit. We flow, right? And so we cannot divorce colonization from religion. And um, Dr. G, you're right. Like, our ancestors didn't just take this white Jesus and be like, okay, this is the way it's supposed to be, you know? They would have praise houses. They would go to the river and pray into buckets and, and practice their religion the way that they could um, when they weren't underneath the eye of their slave masters. So I think we, we gotta get a little more curious about our people and who they were because sometimes I hear people say really uh, foolish things like I am not my ancestors and if I were alive I would have done x y and z and that is just so tremendously disrespectful to your own legacy 
And so um, to, to understand that folks did not just take shit lying down, right? Like Kanye West, shut, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Our ancestors did not choose to be enslaved. Um, so for me, it's been helpful to say that these, these, th these things come to us like in an embodied way, which is, hello, the divine feminine calls us to this like very somatic, very sensual experience. And I'll close this part by saying that in most, you know, Abrahamic religions, the, the feminine being period is dehumanized, diminished, demonized, right? If you grew up in church hearing about um, Eve ate the fruit and caused the fall of humanity and this woman turned to a pillar of salt and this woman is a, is a harlot and a ho right? Like that's all you hear about, you don't see um, the text preached about women who were judges, women who were leaders, women who were rich in the community, who were feeding the apostles, right? Like, so you have to be mindful, who is teaching me what? Why are they teaching me this? And who does it serve for me to believe this this way? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm sorry, just to speak to that, because I always talk about power. When we talk about like, for the layperson, decolonization, what we're talking about is decentering and deconstructing like white supremacy and white American supremacy particularly, right? And, and like how that has impacted us. So when, so when someone is trying to unlearn and, and, and learn and, and embody these things, it is about really power. And what Pastor Bay just let talk to is like, who, who has a right to define who's, what is in a book? Who has a right to define what is demonic or not? Like really being able to challenge the power dynamics from within that we come to these conclusions to begin with. Because we need to be able to take our power back take our power back, remember our power, our relationship with our power is important. So when people are uncomfortable, it is not about this conversation about making people uncomfortable. It's about what Dr. D talked about, toiling the soil. So that way, whatever seeds do come can be planted. Um, but in order that, for that to happen, it just, Pastor Babe, what you just said, it's like, it's like, yes, like we have to challenge power and where it comes from and how we define it and, and all the things that go with it. I think the last thing that I would say is that while you were talking queen and you were talking about supremacy, like Christian supremacy is a very real thing. Like growing up in school, I remember all the Christian holidays yes. being like here and then maybe, you know, some of our Jewish comrades would be out and some of our Muslim comrades would be out. But like there are literally thousands of religions. <laughs> and so once you start to just say, okay, well, what, what's similar? Right. Even if you start to say what's similar between Christianity and I don't know, some Near Eastern religion, like you'll start to learn like, oh, this Jesus narrative sounds a lot like this religion story or this creation story or that kind of thing. So that it's just important to realize that the Bible is not God. The Bible was not gilded in the sky by a stork and just dropped into the lap of somebody one day like it was written by men for men in a particular time with a particular agenda. So of course, there's not gonna be a scripture that says, women call on your foremothers who will help you get through this, right? <laughs> just, we were property, there, there were no rights. All of this happened in an oral and oral tradition. So yeah, that's my hope is that we, we get back to our stories. Cause at the end of the day, like womanism has 
helps me to see my life as the sacred text because womanism says let's center the experiences vantage points you know beliefs of black women in particular and there are no first person narratives of women or children in the bible and yet we lift that up in many traditions as like the premier sacred text but how are you leaving out all of these people where do our stories come from from when we share them when we feel comfortable you know and safe to do so so i think the the real power is in is in sharing our stories all right and ladies as you share your stories um what do you feel is the most important thing the black community needs to lean towards healing risk management crises prevention tapping into your powers um becoming resilient persevering overcoming the um traditional views and ways that we were taught growing up how what is the most important thing that the black community can do to lean towards healing today just one the most important thing <laughs> i think for me I, i'm just, i know these ladies are about to add on so let me just go ahead and, <laughs> and say for me it's it starts within so for me when my when my healing process or my healing journey began, I had to take self inventory. I had to do an inventory because heal, heal, right? That's, that word sounds beautiful. Heal from what, right? What, if, what is it? Let me go inward and see what is it that I'm struggling with? What trauma, both identified and unidentified trauma, am I avoiding living through, navigating, and even being productive through and feeling as though I've overcome it because i've been productive as you know in this trauma right the childhood trauma the ancestral trauma the why didn't this person show up for me trauma right this person that i love and revere wasn't here for me in that way to protect me sexual abuse drug abuse what is it and it's it's getting real with yourself it's taking that inventory and understanding the things that are personal but also the collective and that comes in phases, right? Because I don't really have time for the collective every day. I'm still worried about <laughs> this bad relationship that I was in and how it triggers that little girl inside me that just wants to be held and have somebody show up for her, right? So doing inventory, being real with yourself and then saying, let's be real about how much I can take on, but what needs to still be addressed, even if it's not, I'm not taking it on right now. So that, that self inventory going inward and then bring it into for me spirituality so for me it's god because that is the source of where i get my strength so i can't do this alone i've already tried now it's my ancestors i i already know i can't do this alone that i was failing miserably right so what am i doing what do i have the capacity to do and when coming up with an action plan leaning on to your spiritual your spiritual guide and then also getting a spiritual tribe because the work and setting realistic expectations because if you think healing is going to be lighting one candle and burning one incense and saying you know what i forgive that's not it you're going to forgive then you're going to hate and then you're going to say you forgave but you're not really going to forgive because somebody's going to say something that's going to trigger you you're going to say i'm working on things you spend a lot of time by yourself you think you've worked on it until you enter a space where that's challenged 
someone says something or does something and that thing you've worked on while you've been by yourself for three years, right? Is actually challenging you into a relationship and you realize it's not worked on. It's addressing that codependence that, 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 we, have, that we have been conditioned to accept as normal. You know, not only the codependence and where we lean on someone, but we are like me, someone that needs to be leaned on. It's accepting and addressing that and understanding that this is not going to be sunshine, daisies and rainbows. It's going to be difficult. It's going to hurt. You're going to want to stop because living in your trauma is more comfortable. You were comfortable there. You learned how to navigate. You were doing okay. And by okay, you may have been using, uh, misusing or mishandling things, substances, people, pe addictions. People are, you can get addicted to people too. You can get addicted to chaos. You can get addicted to toxicity. You can be one of those people that only knows how to dwell in chaos. You feel comfortable there. Understanding when that creeps up again and understanding that the healing process is worth it and reminding yourself and everything that you you realize when you did that initial inventory channeling that bringing that back in when you're in that process and you want to give up because you've literally forgotten everything that you were supposed to be doing for the last three days and everything has hurt so badly and having the difficult conversations with yourself with your ancestors thankfully for me i had some of these conversations before my dad passed on but but what happens when you don't have that person to talk to what happens when you have to forgive people that are not sorry and are not here for you to go ahead and tell off? What happens when you have to forgive the person that sexually abused you and they are no longer here to hear the person that's old enough, brave enough, wise enough to speak up for themselves and you, you don't have anybody to speak to? It's coming to terms with that reality and making a plan and getting a system and people in place, whether that is for me, it's, it's, again, starting with God, my ancestors, and then it's some type of therapist and understanding sometimes that you may have to have, be on medication and not letting that be something that you're ashamed of, even if it's for a period of time. So. Can I hop in? Because you speak in my language, Kia. Um, this is my, my thing, right? <laughs> we talk about trauma um, because we don't talk a lot about that ancestral trauma we don't speak about the spiritual trauma we just talked about spiritual trauma of our ancestors without naming it that right but what's in them is within us and you know to put my academic hat on uh, there's evidence behind this we know that there's the science behind showing how we carry the trauma of our ancestors not just your parents but generations before and so we are living with that and until when we talk about healing our community healing the BIPOC uh, populate our community as black people as indigenous people we have to acknowledge that and instead of saying well you know that was them you know I hear people say things to the effect of what is systemic racism I've been able to do just fine right that's just an excuse no we carry that with us. So some of us may cope a little bit better, if you want to call it that, um, in this realm um, and the task that we've been given, but you still have it as well. So I love that you talked about how that thing may surface when you're not expecting it and how you could be triggered because trauma brings along triggers. Um, and so we have to do that work when we're talking about healing our community. But one thing I wanted to add to that too, is that you can be addicted to pain. 
you can be addicted to something that is not a substance. And this is, and I'm not going to get nerdy on y'all, but because I am, um, but there's a neurochem neurochemical reaction that actually happens in your body. Your body wants to protect itself at all costs. That's all it knows. So when you do something that could be a trigger or this is unsafe or it's novel to you, your body will actually send out a neurochemical reaction to say, calm down, says, you know, relax, everything's gonna be okay. You actually get addicted to that chemical that comes from you. And so you become addicted to your pain. And I'm gonna give two points and I'm gonna pass it along. The second thing that we need to realize, I think as a people is that everybody can't go. I know that sounds harsh, you just not invited. I'm sorry. Well, no, you, you're invited. You got the invitation, but everybody's not going to be ready, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So we have to acknowledge that, that, you know, Kia said, it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with my tribe. I know who can come and I know who can't. So that's one thing we need to recognize. And then lastly, instead of, you know, one thing I think that we can find a thread through is the idea of having a mission, having a vision. I even hear people in the church having visionary boards, right? But be a walking visionary. You know, everything that you do, um, you know, be intentional, right? Set your intention, set your intention on what color you're gonna wear. If you see me in a certain color, I've, I've actually thought about that, right? Especially if I'm interfacing with other people. I may have a piece of jewelry on that I have set an intention in. Um, before I move into a certain space. I may have an actual, um, you know, sign or symbol that I may put on a document because why well, I want that document to be successful, right? So I am actually charging everything in my life beyond just a visionary board, which is great, but I'm gonna take that in everything that I do so that I can heal myself, my children, my family, and then pass that along. And again, everybody can go, but all right, I pass that. <laughs> I think that, thank you so much, Dr. G, for that. I definitely agree with those points, especially when it comes to intergenerational trauma or epigenetic trauma. And especially those of us whose ancestors were enslaved in this country, your, your grandmother wasn't talking about what happened to her. Your great-grandmother and your great-grandfather didn't talk about the things, they, they just moved through it. They didn't live in an environment where therapy, as you said, Kia, was even available, or even it was maybe it would look was looked at as a weakness to talk about these things. But now we know what is not what is not um, transmuted, what is not healed, will be transferred, and we have we have work to do. We have work to do for ourselves, and we have work for, to do for those who come after us. One of the things that I would say when I'm coaching is to there are three things we can do today. It is to get quiet. Number one, get quiet. What you came into this realm calibrated, right? You you were connected divinely before you came into this space. Get get quiet. Listen to your own heartbeat. Listen to your own intuition. Listen to your purpose. Connect with your higher self. If that is God, if that is Yahweh, if that is through Ifa. Whatever mode you use, connect to your higher self because your vision for yourself needs to be in alignment with your purpose for your life. That's number one. Number two, get focused. There's a lot of crap going on. There's a lot of things that draw our attention. Get focused, create a vision for your life. Be very clear about what that vision looks like. We need it as a community and we also need it individually. And then finally, the last thing is get moving strategically in your purpose. Three things, 
get quiet, get focused, and get moving in your purpose. Yes, Nikki. I love that. So I would invite us to consider all the ways that trauma has showed up and maybe we didn't identify it as trauma. So for instance, um, I was, I'm daughter of Caribbean immigrants. And so school, 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 you're going to go to school, you're going to go to college, you're going to graduate, you're going to get a good job. And I graduated mm. from undergrad without a job. And I was like, somebody lied to me. <laughs> right? But this um, suffering trauma as a child, being raised to believe that I was in a merit-based worthiness system where I was only valuable if I were achieving, right? Black women are the most degreed. Black women are the fastest growing number of entrepreneurs. We do so much, we achieve so much, we acquire so much and we think, oh, this is black girl magic. No, this is unhealed black woman trauma. This is what it is, right? So how do we tap in and say, I do not have to do in order to be worthy. I am inherently worthy because I am. And that's what the divine feminine calls us to do is to sit and to rest and to nurture ourselves in order to heal beyond the trauma, beyond the epigenetic trauma, the inherited trauma, right? So for me, especially in the age of COVID, I have divested from productivity. I am fully invested in creativity. I subscribe to the Nat Ministry, okay? The Nat Bishop, Trisha Hersey, shout out to her, who's like, literally get off Twitter and go take a nap. <laughs> that is resistance. Think of all the naps your ancestors were owed and then go get those naps with interest, right? <laughs> Plus that. Like, and don't, I'm not saying don't do what you have to do, right? Don't be like, they said, I need to go take a nap, not finish this report. Okay, wait a minute, you must use wisdom. <laughs> okay. But what I am saying is that the divine feminine calls us creativity, calls us to heal and align and open our sacral chakra. And if anyone thinks yoga is demonic, let's talk about how yoga just means to yoke together, to bind together your breath and your movement. And Christians love talking about yoke and stuff, being equally yoked and all that. So <laughs> with yourself. Um, but being creative, being sensual, being at play, like that's what's most important to me in this season is what is my deepest pleasure? What brings me joy? I ask myself every day, multiple times a day, what would bring me joy right now? And to the extent that I can do it, nine times out of 10, I can, because that's how I've curated my life. But like, do that thing, because you can only receive as much pleasure as you have received healing. So if you always Ooh. talking about the trauma, if you're always tapping into the trauma, you're going to feel drained. You're going to feel traumatized. But if you say, what can bring me joy? Oop, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Let's get curious. Why not? Why aren't I comfortable with masturbation? Where did it come from? What's the religious shame I need to shed? What's the um, childhood abuse that I need to face, right? Like you're going to get there in the same way. It's just the emphasis is a little different. So even as a body and sex positive pastor, that's why I talk about pleasure so much. Because when I was talking about trauma, people were like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me, that's me. But I was drained. <laughs> I was like, there's got to be another way <laughs> to do this work. And so now, yes, people are like, oh my gosh, your skin is so dewy because I drink water, I exfoliate, and I masturbate, praise the Lord, without shame. <laughs> right? But I could not have gotten there if I was just like trauma, 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 trauma. So we know, I'll close this part by saying when we're talking to Black women, Indigenous women, people of color, like woundedness is in the room. So how can you create a self-care plan, a, a holistic wellness plan, um, so that you can 
unfold to things in a timeline, in a rhythm that works for you. And a way that has, that has helped me is to invite pleasure into my life. And whenever I experience resistance around that, then I get curious. And then I talk to my therapist or my life coach. <laughs> And I know some people grabbed their pearls on that one. They were clutching them. <laughs> and I'm, so glad, I'm so glad, Dr. G, that Pastor Bay brought that into the space because I was like, if we leave this space without talking about the divine feminine being sensual, sexual, and erotic, we're not talking about the divine feminine. Like, it wasn't going to happen since the Listen, I knew what you would, I, listen, I knew, but I knew. But mm -hmm. we need to be able to talk about that. One, we need to define blackness and, and, and anti-blackness and how that moves through us, through us pervasively. We also need to talk about and define healing. Because for me, forgiveness is not part of it always. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I still yeah. talk about sometimes even having the, you know, not getting the apology that you're owed. So right. we, we need to be to define healing and that it is a lifestyle for all the things that Kia said earlier. Mm -hmm. It is a lifestyle. Therefore, how do we tap into that joy? Moving from, y'all, moving from trauma narrative to healing narrative, because I am tired of focusing on the things, right, that, that keep us so heavy. And I'm in a place in my healing where I want to focus on the things that keep me fluid and floating. You know, that's the divine feminine. So uses of the erotic, you know, invoking ancestor Audre Lord into this space. She talks about seven uses of the erotic. She talks about joy as a source of healing. She talks about pleasure as the embodiment of the lived experience. So if you want to know and check in with your healing, check in with your relationship with pleasure. She talks about like reciprocity of emotions and, and being able to build community with emotions. Like, I'm just going to tell y'all, it's like, get 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 uses of the erotic like we need to be able to tap into that absolutely positively completely because if we can't masturbate we want to be able to know why we can't and what is our relationship to touch and what is our relationship to our body so that way we can get to a place that we can experience joy and erotic and pleasure sexual and non-sexual and i'll like dr pa dr pastor bay says yes, dr pastor bay <laughs> I'm going to close with that. <laughs> Can I just say, y'all giving the viewers life. <laughs> I want to address one thing that a viewer said, and this is not actually a question to the panelists. She's, well, maybe. Um, Sharon Howard says, any way we can incorporate our teens in these types of discussions as they can learn as well as share their experiences? Absolutely. We plan to do this monthly we will gear it towards different topics, um, st still within the BIPOC community for sure, um, but we can, and any of our panelists, if you want to say how um, Sharon Howard as a parent might even start by having this type of conversation with a daughter or a son, can you give any suggestions, quick, quick suggestions? Yeah, if I could speak to, there's so much we can unpack with that, right? But the one, since we're kind of on the sensuality conversation, I'll give one little tidbit that I heard from someone else speak to it um, in this way. It's not, a, when you're thinking about becoming intimate, right? Especially we're talking about our teens and transitioning into that, that life and that age. It's beyond just the physical, right? Because you can talk about teen pregnancy, you can talk about STDs and all of that stuff, but it is an actual spiritual um, connection that happens when you are physically intimate with someone. For instance, 
um, the person that I heard speak to this was saying how whatever that person had gone through in that day, especially when we're talking about, you know, the mask, let's say male and female, right? Whatever happens when they enter into you, they are laying down everything that they had experienced throughout their day. If they had the crappy, you know, a crappy day, or if they are coming to you angry, that is an energy exchange that is on a whole nother level. So you have to protect your space. You have to protect your womb with who you are allowing to come in because you are now making a bond with that individual, whether you intend on staying around or not. It is just deeper than the physical, right? So whether you have a, a close connection with that individual or not, they are pouring their energy into you. And is, it, is that the energy that you desire? Is that what you wanna take with you after? And I also think too, having a pleasure-centered conversation. I think we need to be able to engage our youth and being able to like, Pastor Bay said, you know, we are, we are narr we're narrative, we're oral. Our stories were passed down. This story, your story, the story about your relationship to pleasure, the challenges or some of the challenges you felt like you faced, any shame in reference to like body is, is important to be having. If you are not comfortable having those conversations, then I would recommend sexpositivefamilies.com. Melissa Carnegie's work is absolutely positively amazing. Um, Dr. Dr. Donna Oriolo, I would recommend. Um, her work is absolutely amazing. Dr. Uh, Lex James is also amazing as well. Like find the information to talk about this in reference to like the, the divine feminine, um, Pastor Bay. <laughs> it's a really mm -hmm. Uh, but I think it is important to find African um, traditions, spiritualists who can help you integrate those conversations. Um, myself, I'm healing the erotic self because we aren't always in, always able to talk about intimacy, um, pleasure, sexual and non-sexual. So there are definitely resources and any of the panelists here, you know, are all resources in order to have those conversations. Remember, and don't dumb down kids. Kids, no, my granddaughter is six. It is very much so aware of her femininity. It's very much so aware of her power. It is up to us to not adultify and sexualize right. our children in the talks that we give when we're also talking about pleasure as well. And I'll close with that. So I, um, my light just went out. I'm gonna shift in a second. I do, do not say this to shame you that if you're talking to your teens for the first time about sex, that is too late, right? That's not your fault. <laughs> That's just the way that a lot of our homes are set up. We don't talk about sex, sex is nasty, right? That's not true. That's what a lot of people say. So my thing is starting with your children, right? Teaching them good touch, bad touch, using the anatomically correct names for body parts. You don't have a hoo-ha, you don't have a JJ, you don't have a PP. No, no. You have a penis. <laughs> That's just what it is. Um, and then I think on the other side is to make it intergenerational because quiet as it's kept, senior citizens are on the streets contracting STIs at higher rates than the teens. So we like, we got to tell the teens, say sex, no sex, wait till marriage. Meanwhile, Nana, okay, <laughs> is getting cookies at the bake sale, praise the Lord. So <laughs> we got to talk to everybody, is, you know, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to, to, to add to Pastor Bay's talk to everybody. Uh, I know that we're, um, 
geared to the BIPOC community. And I know there's so much that's taken away from us at so many times. There's so many spaces that we have to give up and or share. Um, that said, the reality is our teens in the BIPOC community will not only meet, communicate, be intimate with other people in the BIPOC community. So that said, I, am, I invite people outside of the BIPOC community as well to learn um, because, you know, I'm, most cities that I've lived in in my adult life, you'll have a, like a, a black kid or, you know, some of my friends, their children, they're at a school and they are the one of two or maybe one of four or five or seven. So the likelihood that they are going to have their first experience at the very least with someone outside of the community is very high. So when you have, you know, I have white friends, white family members, well, people, chosen family who I, who I revere. Um, I, I encourage them to, you know, they come to me, what books can I read? What can I say? And, you know, just about the, the topics, at the, polit the politics, the racism, all of, all of these things. This is another thing. Like, learn what we're learning, you know, because it's not too late. Why? Because so many of us are learning ourselves, even within the Black community. A lot of our of, of us, we're anti-Black, but we don't even realize it. We have anti-Blackness in us because we've been conditioned that way, right? So you learn along with us so that you can teach your children so that when my, ch my child learns something and they go meet your child, that we're, they're on the same accord. That's, a, that's what I would like to invite into the space. And, and, to, and to give a resource for what Kia says, so one of my dear friends, Dr. Tracy Gilbert, Thumbania on Instagram, is her research was on um, sexiness, Black sexuality. So I'd also recommend her work. Um, black sexual epistemiology is the, the theory that she created, 21st century theory that she created from womanism, from decolonization. Um, we need to start to unlearn those things. She talks about the erotic self, and the erotic self having eight channels. And it's something that I talk about in my coaching program. Part of what she talks about is unlearning what blackness is or learning what blackness is for us. And for those who are not white, to unpack your anti-blackness um, as well. So it is not about learning certain things to get to know us better. It is learning certain things so that way you know how much room you take up that informs how well we get to know us better. Um, mm -hmm. So I think being able to add Dr. Tracy Gilbert's work as a, as a way of you want to learn more, then that's fine. But what's for us, honestly, is absolutely for us. Thank you. Thank you. So we are winding down. We've got three minutes to eight o'clock. I want to acknowledge some of the um, ways in which the Black community can heal. We said being still, right? Developing a plan. We said exfoliating and masturbating. And if I knew we were going to touch on the erotic self, I would have given out vibrators. However, <laughs> I talked to Nikki prior to jumping on live and Nikki gave one very basic way, which I don't want to shun masturbating because I'm a masturbator. So masturbate y'all. Um, but Nikki gave a very basic um way that one can connect with self the healing which had to do with something like the djembe connecting to your vibration um and with that nikki we decided that we would give out what nikki is going to explain to us we were going to choose three viewers to send these out to so nikki can you very briefly touch on that very specific coping strategy um that a person can start with healing 
one of the things that people often talk about when they're new meditators or they're trying to get centered is, you know, I have a lot of thoughts going through my head. I can't meditate. I can't get centered. What I use um, all the time is just the stethoscope. You can go to Amazon, find a cheap one, $10. You can borrow one. There are actual um, demonstrations online on how to make one if, you know, if, if that's what you choose. But find a quiet space. If that's in your car, if that is, you know, after work, find a quiet space where you just have a couple minutes to yourself and just recalibrate by listening to your heartbeat. As I said earlier, we know that that is the first sound that is, is that tethered us to this realm. It is what is heard in utero. It is the thing that connected us to our mother. It is the, the first thing that gave us life, right? Calibrating to that, your heartbeat is one of the easiest thing that you can do and not to get too science nerdy on here but just to let you know that your heartbeat is so unique it is as unique as your thumbprint there are biometric reads of your heartbeat that can read its signature 200 meters away its unique signature so understanding what your heart wants is one of the most important things you can do and getting centered helping yourself to get centered with a stethoscope is one way to get there Thank you, thank you, thank you. So with that, and, and then I'm gonna allow each panelist to close out if you have anything to say. Um, there were three viewers that I um, acknowledge that that were very um, that were asking questions that I want to um, already call out. And if you can inbox Queen V your addresses, we're going to be sending out stethoscopes to each of you so that you can start your process of being still and listening and connecting to um, your heartbeat. That is Deshaun and Neil. Um, Keisha Jones and Sharon Howard. Um, we will be doing this again next month. So I'm going to close out quickly and then open it to the panelists. We will be doing this again next month. We are going to do different topics um, for the BIPOC community. If we need to address different age ranges, we can. But as Queen said, this needs to be a, um, a topic of discussion for from birth to, to present, no matter um, how old you are. Um, and with that, I'm going to leave it to each of the panelists to close out and thank you all for our viewers. Um, this was amazing to our panelists. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're, you women um, are amazing and intelligent and I look forward to working with you all very soon. I'll hop in because I know we're short on time. So thank, thank you all. Um, I'm just honored to be in your presence uh, with our panelists, as well as Queen V and Shai, Kiana, thank you. Um, this was just a beautiful way to bring in the solstice um, and the great conjunction. I'm excited. I don't know, tomorrow I may be flying with my superpowers, mm -hmm. but <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'll let y'all know. Uh, but this was great. Follow me on, come, listen to my podcast, Black Goddess Healing and Manifestation. I'll go next. Um, I just wanted to encourage rest to our um, viewers. I said today um, on like all of my social media platforms, I said, you know, give yourself permission to rest today. Do so unapologetically and without guilt. So intentionally resting, not waiting for burnout, right? Not waiting until, because whether it's God, whether whatever you believe in, will sit you down. If you don't sit down, you will be sat down. Mm -hmm. So actually planning periods of rest saying you know the same way okay i gotta go get my hair done at this time i have to go get my nails done at this time saying you know what from 
to, you know, 2.30 to 4.30, I am going to rest. I don't have to be necessarily sleeping, but I'm not going to be doing chores. I'm not going to be, you know, busy. Um, a lot of us feel like we just need to be busy. You are more than your productivity. You are more than your productivity. You are more than your merit. And I have people in my life that have been forced to have restful seasons, whether COVID or whether they, they're going through something personally. Take this, accept this, see this as a gift. I want to promote rest, intentional rest, and doing so without guilt. That is conditioning. That is something that was placed upon us. We must shed that. And also, um, to second Dr. G's um, sentiment, it's just been an honor to, be, to share a panel with you ladies and see all the different points of view and different perspectives. And for any of you that has added to or even checked me in a nice, respectful, beautiful way uh, when I said something wrong or maybe left something out, I thank you guys for that. Because, you know, we're all just made up of our, our views and our views are limited and we're human and we're fallible. So um, having all this expertise and all these things and different ways to say the same thing, same messages, but different ways and to see it from different lenses. It's just been an honor. Thank you. Um, Go ahead, love. Nikki, you go. I'm so, okay. Well, you know, I second the sentiment of just being an honor, being in this space. If I would leave us with one thing, that is to remember that we are the altar. We can set up altars, we can set up our spaces, but understand that we are sacred. And I, sent, uh, I second the sentiment about rest and reset, having this, taking this time to really center on what you want moving into this next age that we're moving into. But it is an honor to hear the, the divergent points of view, to hear from women who look like me, who have varying experiences. I'm honored, I know our ancestors are honored because this work is necessary for our community. And so I just wanna say Ashe and everyone, thank you so much for your time. It, it's been a beautiful experience. Yes, I want to leave y'all with the, the idea, the notion, the mantra, the movement that pleasure is your birthright. And it can also be a spiritual practice. And um, we have had an amazing conversation tonight and I would love to keep the conversation going with you. Um, I'm on IG all the time and Twitter at Levon P. Um, if you'd like to learn in community with me, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Levon P. Um, I also do one-on-one -on -one spiritual life and liberation coaching. So you can book at calling.levonp. If you just go to my Instagram channel, all these links are there in the link tree. But what I'm really excited about, and this is so divine feminine timing, is that I'm doing a workshop on Tuesday called uh, Masturbation is Gift of God, Decolonizing Pleasure and Desire. And so this, if this is something you enjoy tonight, come on and let's learn together. Uh, I too want to say like, thank you for the, uh, for being invited. I am honored absolutely positively. This has like been soul filling. Anna. It is, it's always soul filling to be in community. Um, if there are any tidbits I'd like to take away, um, it's just rewatch this. <laughs> <laughs> rewatch this take care of yourself the best way you can possibly take care of yourself um you can find me um on the medias as sista with an a sexologist close together sista sexologist and sistersexologist.com if you want to do more work um i do have a home-based study program called uses of the erotic and you can find that on 
healingtheeroticself.com, which is an erotic life coaching program um, that will be self-paced and launched in 2021. Thank you all. I appreciate y'all. Awesome. We will be streaming this on Freely Foundation's website, www.freelyfoundation.org. Black Goddess Healing Manifestation Podcast will be streaming this. Delaware's Hot 403.5 FM will be streaming this. And we are going to, we're going to end this out with the last few um, minutes of Black Parade by Beyonce. Give y'all some of this energy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And tune in with us real soon. And thanks to Shy and Queen V. Oh, thank you, Shy and Queen V. Thank y'all. Thank, thank you. Thank you, ladies. Oh, Peace. Oh, oh, oh.